Wait, you haven't seen that? Hello and welcome back to another edition of Past Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol. This week, I challenge Taylor to watch the 1986 film Stand By Me. This film was written by Bruce A. Evans and Reynold Gideon, based on The Body by Stephen King. And this was directed by Rob Reiner. So I actually have only seen this movie a few months ago. My girlfriend actually... It's one of her favorite films, and I had always wanted to see this film and heard plenty about it, but never actually sat down to see it. So I had uh, got to watch it uh, off her recommendation. And then when it came to, you know, looking at the summer here and we're looking at films of what, you know, that kind of those those uh, end of year, you know, there's a lot of great stories of the school year is out and going off on adventures. And Mm -hmm. this film is especially one where because of the nature of the year it's set, uh, 1959 you know th- this is not the age of technology this is not an age where you go on your, your planet computer these are kids going out to uh, you know read comics and they have a treehouse and they're 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 off on a kind of somewhat dangerous coming of age story where they're actually going off to try to find a dead body um, so it's kind of interesting because they're they're not um, they're not quite teenagers I would say they're probably like pre-teens Taylor as this was your first time to see Stand By Me and I, I think you being someone that knows a lot of Stephen King's work I'm sure you've seen plenty of his uh, other film adaptations of course we love The Shining and it was very popular the last few years this is not really a, a typical uh, it's not really horror but it definitely has a lot of that heart that Stephen King is known to write about when it comes to coming of age stories and the bonding of friends and kind of the journey they go into. So what were your thoughts on Stand By Me? Of course, this isn't really a spoiler review as it's been out for a long time as we usually do with our past potential picks, but by all means, I want to hear what you thought about this film. Yeah, uh, well, it's been on 34 years, so yeah. if you haven't seen it's it yet, get on that. I mean, I, d- I did. But um, no, you're absolutely right, Chris. I really, um, seeing reminiscent work of, of Stephen King and, um, as you said, these guys are at the turning point of, you know, adolescence. They're like, it's like kind of the twilight of their youth as they are kind of this whole journey that they go on um, is kind of basically them going through, um, you know, growing up. It's really just kind of that it's a, a visual and, and physical transformation uh, that they both go on um, on the journey, but in life. So it's kind of like some symbolic of that. I, I really, I liked the, um, how it was set and it's very, it's very good, you know, dialogue and stuff. And there's really, there's really great casting. I was really impressed. I mean, these are, this is the start of a lot of these uh, kids career. You talk about childhood stars and we, we mentioned this, you know, our podcast before, but I thought this was really great to go back and see this. A lot of these performers that we've come to know and see in some really great works over the years, it's just like really cool. But I, I really liked it because it did have so much heart uh it had you know good excitement had some fun humor um but uh yeah it was was really i was really glad i finally got to see this and i know you had just seen this before but uh yeah it was really great it was just funny to see you know young 
all these young stars what they you know what they were doing before yeah it's it's a uh, our you know our foursome here of these four friends going off on this journey of will wheaton who of course went on to do star trek and then you know has been a guest star in big bang theory and plenty of other things and we have the late river phoenix who you know we just talked about um this week with uh or you know last week with indiana jones yeah to think he would do he would do Indiana jones like four years later four or five years yeah later. you know he was a, a big starter in this time and uh he's fantastic in this movie then we have uh cory feldman who you know this is kind of his era of really his heyday you know going into other films like goonies and and you kind of think like this is the genre that he was made for the the characters that are very quick witted funny jokey but then there's that realism behind it when it gets to and i like that uh all these characters in this film do have some kind of real life issue that does haunt them throughout this journey uh and then rounding out the four is you know for for looking how he he, he looks nowadays yeah. how he's looked for the last you know 15 20 years you have a very young and, and a little uh chubby jerry o'connell Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Who really is like a uh, comedy gold in this? I mean, at one point he does quote that if he had to eat one food for the rest of his life, he's like cherry pez, cherry pez without a without a question. You know, <laughs> think of having cherry pez over your life. But I like that. Yeah, all the characters. This is where a little that Stephen King magic comes in, where they they have something that's a real life issue that almost kind of comes out in somewhat sense of a real life horror. Like, uh, you know, Will Wien's character, his brother, who it's just a small cameo role, uh, a, a young John Cusack, um, had died. And so you get the sense that his parents are, um, they wish that it had been him and not the brother who had died. And that's like really hard to think of a kid who, you know, looked up to his brother. There's obviously a couple scenes that are really touching of the bonding. And so to think that they kind of resent the little brother for still being alive. You know, that kind of makes me think a little bit of it as well when all the parents are very, they're like, they're not really loving to the kids because of course, in that story, they're all, they're all kind of poisoned, you know? Yeah. They're not part of like a positive influence in these kids' lives. And, um, you know, and and, and it's very haunting to go back this, you know, now that we're recording this, some recent stuff had come on actually, you know, talking about Will Wheaton, he he actually had a very tough childhood. And, you know, Jerry O'Connell came out and talking about this, saying, like, wow, I had no idea. And, like, none of us had any ideas that he had this, you know, tough and abusive childhood. But it's like when you're kids, you know, what could you do? So I think it was it really showed when hearing that and then watching it, his performance is very haunting because he channeled his own, you know, demons and stuff, dealing with that as a kid into that. And like you said, he is <clears throat> in the Star Trek and guess he's done so much over, but really been part of a huge part of the nerd culture mm-hmm, uh, phenomenon. Yeah. So... You know, that was really good. I mean, he, but this is like the pinnacle of childhood acting. I mean, these guys, you know, doing great. Um, of course, and Corey Feldman, like, you know, yeah. Corey Feldman's character, like, uh, it's it's the idea that he has uh, this dad that's kind of gone off the, his rockers a little crazy. And, and uh, even at the point where uh, he's he took his son and put him next to a burner to the point where he burned his ear. So we yeah. see a, a, you know, a scarred ear, but typical with these kind of characters that use humor uh as a defense shield and he does it a lot but then there's these scenes where someone might uh, make fun of his dad and he really gets upset about it and very angry and so i like this this story is a coming of age story there is a lot of that great humor because they keep making fun of each other 
and it, they're still kids you know they the things they care about are kid things you know thinking about oh baseball or comic books or food and you know all kinds of things it's, they don't really have uh real life as you know aspirations at this point in their life they're not thinking of the the bigger mysteries but for some reason going on this journey to find this dead body and it's a dead body of a kid their age it really kind of teaches them a little bit about you know maybe something to enjoy what they have i guess you can say and they're not alone in this film although the four are the main focus of this film we also have a very young keither sutherland as kind of the bully character of course stephen king he loves to talk about his bullies in his uh, stories. I think maybe a little bit of realism there for him. I think maybe he was bullied as a kid, and that's why he he writes very honest, true, dark bullies. And this is, you know, he's the leader of a gang who, uh, you know, has, they, they kind of like to, uh, you know, use knives and they'll tattoo each other. Of course, horrendous looking, uh, you know, they're kind of gang the name of their gang and they go around the typical thing in the 50s you take the baseball bat and you're driving and you're hitting the mailbox boosting cars you know they're playing the punk, chicken the, the, and all the, kinds the of punks things. are the punks of the late 50s uh the cobras but not cobra kai it's different cobra yeah. <laughs> I, I was I, that's all i thought about when i saw it i'm like cobra kai's <laughs> quit um but uh yeah kiva sutherland i mean and you know talking about i mean he has had a, an amazing career but that was a really, I mean, that was his big start was the, the eighties and thinking about how him and later Corey Feldman would be in lost boys together. Uh, you know, he'd be the bully again, but a little bit yeah. more scary. Yes. One. So, but yeah, I was, yeah, I was just really the meat. And what also struck me, they really, he, Stephen King does a great job setting the, the tone of his stories through the soundtrack, uh, not mm-hmm. only through, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, instrumentals, but definitely with this one, I mean, there's so many great, you know, hits of the, you know, late 50s, uh, throughout the 50s, you got some really good ones as they're going kind of on their journey. So that was really fun. I really, you really got it, got the music. Of course, the title song doesn't come till the credits, but, uh, you know, it's a fitting song, uh, title because it's these kids are kind of sticking together. And I do love the yeah, fact it's told in narration, of course, by the amazing Richard Dreyfuss. Uh, yes. You know, uh, was, I, I thought that was cool. I didn't know he was in this movie. I was like, oh, my God, this is great. And Yeah, it's uh, almost it's really just a brief cameo role overall. But the narration is throughout the film uh, playing the the character of Gordy, who is Will Wheaton's character growing up. And um, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting how they had that um you know there's some iconic scenes in this like obviously a lot of people recognize the scene with the train uh is a very famous scene of them uh walking on this train tracks it's a bridge and also the train comes random fun fact i have to tell you this just because we did recently on the pokemon episode we're talking about the game boy games Uh you play the original pokemon game red he goes up to his little tv before he goes on his journey and in the when he clicks on the tv it says four boys walking on train tracks on an adventure and it's referencing stand by me in Pokemon. So I was like, you know, that, I thought that was kind of funny. So I, ha- <laughs> I had to, I had to give a shout out to that. Cause I remember playing that. My uncle's like, you know what that is? Right. And of course I'm playing it like in the early nineties, like mid nineties. I don't know what that's this is. funny. It's like stand by me. I'm like, that's so cool. So it made me think about that now. Well, another thing, I, I mean, it's, it's just uh, looking at the name alone of this, this town being castle rock uh, in Oregon is uh you know there's that show on hulu that's kind of like a stephen king universe show uh which is called castle rock so i kind of want to check it out and see how other 
yeah. maybe other Stand By Me references might be in that, apart from a lot of other references to all of his uh, movies and properties. Well, you know? if you like a little good decade piece, I don't know if you've watched, you have to check out, did you ever see 11, 20, uh, 11, um, uh, 26, 13, or whatever it's called, something uh, like that? Uh, 26, or 26, 63, uh, the yeah. date Kennedy was shot. No, I did not. One? I did not ever saw you that You got to check out that series. I got it for you. Oh, that's another podcast for another time. But yeah, check that, that one out. Uh, again, there's all these reminiscent works where you know, there are some references stuff, but also a great soundtrack. And it, it also shows that his work can be going on to TV, which I think is great. And that he, Stephen King, just his work continue to inspire great. But like you said, I think you told me this, that this was Stephen King's, one of his favorite adaptations of any of his works. Well, he's very, I mean, obviously, you know, when it comes to adapting a book to a film, you're obviously going to have to lose a lot of things and it's not always easy, especially this time era. I mean, this is a 1986. So this film doesn't really have anything that you would really need special effects for yeah. uh, compared to something like it or pet cemetery or, or, you know, the shining, but you could tell that this is a stronger adaptation. And I think it's because, because there is no real horror in this film. It's not a big, it's not like jump scares and like that. I think it's a little, it's a little more natural, a little more, uh, you know, it's easier to follow and a great, a great casting of this, of these kids uh, and Rob Reiner are really handling it fairly well. You know, obviously we talked about the shining on our first season and uh, that is a notorious movie that Stephen King appalls uh, does not like that rendition. He much preferred um, Dr. Sleep and he liked how that was handled more than the shining, but yeah, I think uh, of the works that, you know, a lot of his books have been adapted to movies or TV shows. I think this is one that he has preferred uh, in the long run overall, which is, you know, important because, I mean, he is the man who wrote it. So um, yeah, you want to see your work visualized uh, the best way. So, But I'm so glad that you recommended this because I've been putting this film on for a while. I know I had to see it. It was always on TV, but I never just sat through it all. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I got to be part of this. You know, it's, it is a big part of pop culture. Um, and um, I think people need to go back and check this out. So I'm really glad we got to go back this. And I hope ever, if you haven't watched this, uh, you should definitely check this out. Because we didn't actually give anyone any spoilers. Um, so I would definitely recommend it uh, for anyone there. Yeah. So um, I know it's currently streaming on Netflix. So check it out while you can. You know, these things come and go so quickly. So Catch Stand By Me, now streaming on Netflix. And that was this week's Past Potential Pick. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.